you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the League podcast is too lazy to write their own intros. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansen, and I'm joined by a room filled with some heroes, Chris Wessling and Dave Damashek. Hi, everybody. Hey, Dan. Hey, Wait uh, a second. I didn't say it. I, didn't, I was so caught off balance by <laughs> Sheck being here. What up, boys? That's my thing, hey, Dave. Dave. Hello, Dan. Hello, Chris. How are you? That's the, that's the first time I've ever called you Dan and Chris, respectively. <laughs> no, it's, I don't, it doesn't feel right. Hey, Hanzoos, can I just say something real quick before you get into it? Yes. I saw you were shooting some stuff um, here at NFL Network this morning. I noticed you still have your makeup off. You're, you're on, I should say. Yeah. You know it's okay to wipe it off. Now. I'm still wearing my face. and <laughs> <laughs> No, what happened, actually, because the way things work in the around the league group is, you know, you... you help out with a, a video project which is actually Dave Damashek's video project you left that out and I didn't have time simply it was a time issue so I'm still wearing my face you look terrific you've never looked better in fact so <laughs> kudos I do have to I'm take sure your friends and family in New York are, couldn't be proud my right dad now. my dad everyone in the coal town uh, back in Pearl River very uh, I'm sure proud of me um, Wes thank you for coming in on your off day my pleasure Always, uh, always a pleasure. And of course, our other two gentlemen, uh, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal, are in Orlando for the NFL annual meetings. So it's a pretty professional outfit here, Dave, as you could tell. Yes, I, I can. And uh, they're down there kibitzing about uh, all manner of rules changes. Yes. And you, Dave, you were on a roll last week, by the way. And we're going to get to it. We're going to actually talk. I'll be talking to the two gentlemen in or Orlando a little later in the show. Dave had a big week last week. Uh, met with Kevin Costner on the airwaves and, mm. and had one of the great lines, I thought, in NFL Network recent history, uh, which was this. April 11th, draft day in theaters. Ooh, Kevin Costner has a hose. Ke 
Kevin Costner has a hose. Just a great line. All-time great line. Well, thank you. Yes, of course, I couldn't pass on the opportunity to, to ask him, not unlike he asks his fictionalized father at the end of Field of Dreams, you want to have a catch. I'm sitting out there on the stage with Costner. <laughs> what else am I going to ask him? I, I, I'll kick myself for the rest of my days if I don't propose a catch. This time with a football, he graciously said yes. We threw it around, and I don't know if it was surprise or what, but, yeah, it turns out he can really sling that thing. He can spin it. He has a hose. He's a pretty good athlete for an actor. He is. Is he the – in fact, is he the – most uh, of any actor in history, this sounds like hyperbole, but then really think about it. Is he the greatest actor in sports movies ever? Well, he has to have played the most characters, right? You would think. I think this uh, this uh, latest picture, Draft Day, where he's the Browns GM, is his sixth sports movie. As you, yeah, and as you could see, it's the it's the great giveaway, La Raville Magnifico, when an, an actor tries to throw the ball and having a catch. Mm-hmm. Wes, La Raville Magnifico <laughs> is the great reveal. That is <laughs> something that is unspoken but seen, and then you just follow it away forever, and you always it's know. Blowing my mind. Tom Cruise uh, having a catch um, in, what was that alien movie he was Are in? Are you talking Parisian? <laughs> wait, wait a second. Yeah, if you're a hillbilly, you wouldn't know Parisian. <laughs> Yeah, never mind. Scratch that. Uh, War of the Worlds. Tom Cruise having a catch with his son. Embarrassing. Was very embarrassing. Um, you could, you probably have one, Dave. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I. By the way, I think it's funny that Tom Cruise finds a way to work in him running full speed in every movie <laughs> he's ever made. It's insane. It's not. It's really on par with John Travolta wedging in an opportunity to dance in every movie. <laughs> Travolta, a better dancer than Cruise is runner. Right. But to get back. Mm, yes. To, yes. To correct. get back to my point, that Costner, you could tell, knows how to throw, and if you. Not a, not a great movie. It gets maybe to me a little too much. We were talking about movies last week. We were talking about it again. Is the uh, for the love of the game? Mm-hmm. I believe the '99 uh, baseball vehicle where he throws the perfect game at the end of his career. Spoiler alert! Um, you could tell when he's pitching. You'd never really seen a movie where an actor actually looked like a pitcher. So he's the real deal in that aspect. Yeah, I agree that he. Um, he p- successfully pulls off being a ball player. I think that uh, Paul Newman doesn't get, I mean, Paul Newman, Robert Redford doesn't get enough credit for how good he looked throughout mm. the natural. I mean, there's nowhere to hide when you're playing that role up there, swinging the lumber and out in right field and pitching. Yeah, he, he was good at it. Um, one, one of the least believable quarterbacks in uh, in football movie history, Mac Davis, North Dallas Forty, for a movie so so praised. <laughs> Mac Davis is the starting quarterback in an NFL team. Please, it's a, a or is Dallas North Forty as I call it, or <laughs> yes. Dallas Forty North? Forty men from Dallas. I haven't seen all of these um, old timey pictures. I need see to catch all the up. right moves. Here's an interesting bit of trivia, although I don't know the guy's name. In All the Right Moves, the high school steel town picture starring the aforementioned Tom Cruise. Of course, he runs Craig in that T. one. Nelson. Yeah, with Craig T. Nelson is the mean coach who hits teenage boys with a nine iron if they don't do as, <laughs> as he wishes, which really is a insane in hindsight. He hits the kids with a nine iron That's in crazy practice. Behavior. That's but, par for the course in the 50s. Yeah. Well, par no, for this, the course. I like what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> but the picture set in the early 80s, so your, your point holds no water but or is moot but listen he the the guy who is the quarterback of that high school team Ampipe, is his nickname is rifleman and he throws a glorious ball he cuts a great figure of a big guy who can really whip it and it turns out he played the real guy 
play was the quarterback for your New York Jets, Dan Hanzoos, really? in the 1987 strike. He was one of the uh, – <laughs> he was a scab. You know the sport that's the easiest tell on an actor? Hmm. Basketball. How many times do you watch some goon trying to dribble a basketball? Oh, Michael J. Fox and oh, T-Wolf. Oh, it's terrible. Disaster. And you just want to shout at these Hollywood people. You pe- you have no idea what it is to be an athlete. Right. How could you cast this guy who can't even dribble? Well, the cutaways, the the uh, the shoddily executed edit of, uh, of uh, Teen Wolf <laughs> is the stuff of legend in my book. That Michael J. Fox goes up for a layup. You see the ball leave his hand, and then they cut away to the rim, but it takes like another three seconds for it to actually hit the backboard and then bounce in. And it's the same one. They just right. loop it. Like, I, I only, we only made one. We only have the ball going through the hoop three times total, so we just got to use those three shots all the way through. I thought you were talking about the guy with his pants down at the end of the movie. Oh, well, that's <laughs> one of yes. the great, uh, yeah. bizarre continuity uh, I once, areas of all time. It is. I once uh, sat down and uh, looked at what Teen Wolf's stat line would be for the championship <laughs> game. I actually did the numbers on it. It's an impressive game. I don't think he triple doubles, but he... He didn't mess he, around and he, get a triple double? He definitely goes double-double. I'm not sure if he uh, <laughs> if he gets enough rebounds for the triple-double. The gold standard behind the glass. How are you, buddy? Doing great. Thanks. Is it a little weird with Dave here because he calls you by the name that you aren't really... Uh, gold tie or whatever that is. I don't even like bringing it up. But. I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm sort of like the dog who responds to buddy, dog, <laughs> the dog's name. It's fine. Hey, this is your house. I'll play by your rules. Gold awesome. standard it is. Ah, kind of you. Kind of you. Good man, Dave. All right, so gold standard. How about we do some news? Let's do it. All right, let's start in Philadelphia. There's a couple things going on in Philly right now, and we'll start with Deshaun Jackson uh, Howie Roseman, the Eagles general manager, is in Orlando at the owners' meetings, as you can uh, safely assume. And he was asked about Jackson's status, whether he'll be traded. Uh, here's the quote that Roseman said. He's still under contract for us, and until there's anything to report on our players, that's where we are now. And I will say to you, gentlemen, reporters asked him a bunch of other questions about the Eagles roster, and he seemed very open to answering them, but was tight-lipped about anything Jackson-related, which to me kind of spoke volumes. There was no, you know, he's on our team. We love this guy. It doesn't seem like this guy's in the future, and this doesn't change how we should feel, right? Translation. He's still on my roster. Come offer me a draft pick for him. I'm trying to tell you I'm not going to release him. That's what he's trying to do. I feel like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised. Is it, is it that difficult? Is he that difficult to in the locker room and otherwise that they can just cut bait with him? I, I understand. I mean, a lot of people are playing this game of, uh, you know, the Panthers are in dire straits because they don't have a wide receiver. But, of course, by the end of the first round, they presumably – first round of the draft, they presumably will have addressed that with Marquise Lee or Mike Evans, if they're lucky enough, or, uh, you know, uh, any number of other uh, good wide receivers out there in the draft. Um, but that said, I, the, the Eagles – Jeremy Macklin – and Riley Cooper, that they're cool with that going. I mean, going forward is their th- top two. I think you mentioned the draft again, and they they know they have a deep draft. And I think this is what, and my team, the Jets, is where they need to be careful here. Is that Deshaun Jackson had a great year last year? He proved beyond any doubt that he's a nice fit in what Chip Kelly does. And yet they're still itching to get rid of him to the point where they might just dump him for nothing. Mm-hmm. 
So what is it about this guy behind the scenes that we don't know? And the Jets finally got rid of a headache in Santonio Holmes. Deshaun Jackson could be Holmes 2.0. That scares me because I think, and we heard Woody Johnson risked maybe a tampering charge on Sunday in Orlando by acknowledging, yes, we're interested in Deshaun Jackson, which is a no-no according to the league's bylaws. Uh, it sounds like they're going to make a play for him once he's released, if that happens. And th- just something to be careful about because, yeah, this is this is a great player, but there's something else to him that, that's rubbing the Eagles the wrong way. You know who else had a great year in Chip Kelly's offense? Who? Every other player in Chip Kelly's <laughs> offense. There. Yeah, I, I, I get you. And Shady McCoy was gangbusters and Darren Sproles. Is, Nick it, Foles had the best TD to interception ratio in years. Riley Cooper, breakout year. I, I think they figured Macklin can come play Jackson's rule and and they won't miss anything. Well, but but, but to Hanzus's point, I you know uh, Deshaun Jackson, you know you've heard that stuff about him that he's he's difficult. I mean, anecdotally, and it means absolutely nothing. But I have met him and hung out with him for forty five minutes or an hour, and he seemed like a a delightful young fella. But uh, but apparently, I mean, what could he do? That is so vile that they, that they want to purge him from the roster. Jeremy Macklin, let's keep in mind, is coming back from a knee injury. You know, I think I, it was right after the season, a year and a half after he signs a lucrative contract that you could say he didn't earn because he was coming off a bad season. They they come they go out on a limb and give him this money, and after the season, he asks for more. Mm-hmm. He's already the seventh highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, and he says, "Yeah, I need more money." Well, fellas, caveat a caveat emptor with the Deshaun Jackson. I mean, he's, he, he certainly for there. There's a, a certain perception of him, but the numbers don't really equal that. Uh, don't, don't equal the, uh, the the reality of him. Minus last year is that he's a good receiver, but he's he's certainly not some unstoppable force Sunday to Sunday. Um, I you know I I'd be concerned about bringing him into a lot of different systems. That being said, if he goes to a team like the the Forty ers Egad. They need to pick up the slack offensively for their defensive deficiencies. I I see coming up there. A guy like that would be uh, boy. The arms war between them and the Seahawks would really heat up even further. And in other Eagles news, the, Michael Vick obviously signed with the Jets on Friday, and there is a report that the Eagles are very interested in now signing Mark Sanchez to add to their mix. Uh, ESPN, to do what? <laughs> to to do Mark Sanchez things. Uh, ESPN had that the deal was essentially done. Ian Rappaport reported on Monday that they're going to be taking a hard look at Sanchez and his medicals, but he is among the landing spots. The Giants also a potential fit, according to Ian. Any team, Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez. Any team without an obvious backup, Ian said, is basically in on him. Uh, the Eagles are interesting because, to me, it says two things. Chip Kelly believes in a two-quarterback system. He thinks you have to have two guys with starting experience and who can start without messing your whole team up. That means he doesn't really think Matt Barkley is one of those guys. Well, that's what my question is. I mean, are they uh, that that indicates that they're ready to cut bait already with Matt Barkley, which is you know, pretty... or that he's their developmental guy, not their guy who can come in when Foles goes down. Who does that though? No one does that in 2014. Carries a third string QB with the, you know, I know he's a third round pick, and the your the Steelers price tag do that. isn't heavy with him, but. Yeah, well, Landry I, Jones. I don't expect Landry Jones to be around for, for well, very long. It's a, he and Barkley were both fourth-round picks, right? A fourth-round pick, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of Barkley. A, a Mark Sanchez-Matt Barkley backup quarterback <laughs> showdown on tap. <laughs> Two USC guys. Yeah, yep. How exactly. is it possible that USC 
the greatest quarterback in the history of that school, uh, one of the more successful college programs ever, is Carson Palmer, and it's not close. He's easily their most <laughs> successful NFL quarterback. Uh, Dave, we don't talk about college around these parts. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, moving on, Reggie. McC- Wait, before yes. we move on, would, yes. it, would it surprise you if Sanchez played great for Chip Kelly? That would be – I was actually thinking about that um, – if the only thing the Jets kind of did him wrong by waiting so long to dump him, the only positive that could come out of this if he landed with Philly is he actually gets to join a a team with a real offense and a real offensive mind. Uh, that said, I think we saw enough from Sanchez to to see that he's pretty limited, and it would be the ultimate uh, vouch vouching for. Chip Kelly is a genius if Mark Sanchez came in for an injured Nick Foles and, and led that team to a glory or some type of deep playoff run. I guess we'll never know. We might find out. Reggie McKenzie said at the NFL owners meetings in Orlando that Terrell Pryor has uh, reached out about potentially being released by the Raiders or traded. He wants out of Oakland, of course, after Matt Schaub signed uh, a deal with or was traded to Oakland last week. I guess you can't really fault the guy. Uh, especially after the coach comes out and says, Dennis Allen says on Friday, we could see Shab as our quarterback for the next three or four years. Um, can you blame Terrell Pryor for, for wanting out of Oakland now? I can't blame either side. I can't blame the Raiders because they know more about football than us, and their football people have determined that Terrell Pryor is not a quarterback, according to them. Mm-hmm. He's not any kind of solution. Can't blame Pryor because every defensive coordinator in the league would have rather played against Matt Shab than Terrell Pryor on any Sunday. Well, I, you know, th- yeah, that's absolutely right. And the, the it's interesting to me that Terrell Pryor, even against, as it was, a squ- as it was quickly established, the one thing he's going to do is beat you with your legs, and teams still couldn't stop him from doing it. It's a, it's pretty remarkable stuff. And, you know, it, it's starting to get deep, far in the rearview mirror is the idea of situationally throwing a different kind of quarterback on the field. But I wonder if some teams should go back to thinking that way. Terrell Pryor, as a change of pace would uh, I mean you know think about the teams that have that locked in the pocket kind of guy what doesn't it sound intriguing in a vacuum if you're the Giants hey yeah you could just swap him out and in certain situations take Eli out and throw a guy like Pryor in there I mean that 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 curveball would be difficult to to slow down I mean that's also a situation where if you do that Eli's going to be pissed at you true enough true enough but it's going to have to be a guy who's not established as a franchise quarterback hmm the Cardinals. Maybe a team like that would be interesting doing something like that. I'm on board because I don't really have that much faith in Carson Palmer. Yeah, yeah. well, that's yeah, a guy who's, uh, yeah, it's not exactly, uh, you know, uh, top-tier QB. They're almost like the Cardinals, to me, are the team that if they have um, upper-level quarterback play, they really could contend in that conference. But are we, yeah, about I'm the not Bills? convincing that guy. They, I, they're already running a lot of uh, running plays for E.J. Manuel. Bring in Terrell Pryor. They said they needed another guy. Sure. sure. Good transition, uh, Wes, because Doug Marone in Orlando said said on Monday that the Bills are, quote, all in with E.J. Manuel. Here's the quote from Marone. We're secure with our quarterback position. Obviously, we're all in with E.J. and with Thad. All in with E.J. and Thad. That's quite a statement. (laughs) And Dennis Dixon and Jeff Toole. Man, these are all guys that are tied to this team. Sounds like a bad 80s movie. All in with E.J. and Thad. (laughs) We're really excited (laughs) with what we bring to the table at that position. Was he joking when he said this? You can't really tell in in text. Excited? He said it. Yeah, I remember when the 
Browns were excited for Brandon Whedon. The Bills were excited <laughs> for J.P. Lossman. The Bears were excited for Rex Grossman. I am completely, by the way, sort of related. I am now off of this notion. I don't know that I ever fully bought it anyway that you must have one of the six or eight best quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, you don't, because if you look at the last three Super Bowl champions, you wouldn't put Flacco, Eli. Well, by the time they won it, the week week after they won it, people put Flacco up there and Eli. But now, with a little bit of uh, time and perspective, you would take those guys out of that group now. And and then you have Russell Wilson, who's certainly on the rise. It's, to me... What you want is it's much more important to have the weapons around them, and everything points to them taking maybe Mike Evans, the Bills, there. I mean, then they have some some legit weapons out there. I mean, unless E.J. Manuel is Mark Sanchez-level putrid, then I don't know how he couldn't be successful. I, I will say this in defense of E.J. Manuel because I think a lot of people eyebrows will arch about the Bills even coming out and saying that they're all in behind the guy, but... He suffered an injury that kind of completely doomed his chance of progressing at any type of normal level. It's already hard enough to be a rookie quarterback thrown into the job immediately. And then to have him go down with the injury, he was never quite right after that. I think it was against the Browns that Thursday night game when Hoyer also got hurt. Um, also the game Mark Sessler loves talking about. If Mark was here, he would have jumped in there. High point of the Cleveland Browns season that year uh, when they went to 3-2 and two and were in first place in the AFC North. But uh, I think Manuel deserves this whole year to get a real good look. Give him a shot because I feel like he might be premature, ri- prematurely written off by some people. Wes? Well, I think he didn't play well. And this is going to sound harsh, but teams that lose make excuses like his knee injury. Mm, teams that lose a lot do that. Teams that win a lot see their quarterback play well. Well, I mean, the it's his uh, the question about him is his accuracy, but uh, he's got the whip and he's got the he's he's a big boy and he runs around great. He's a he's sort of a Ben Roethlisberger type, you know. He's got the 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 same qualities and the the same uh, potential strikes against him that you would put against Roethlisberger. And uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's a, yeah, again, if they get uh, let's say they give him. Either uh, you know Eric Ebron or, or Mike Evans. I mean that the the offense is now bona fide, kind of loaded. Then, and then I, I guess you have to give him another year because you spent a first round draft pick on him. That only makes sense. But you know you could find out by November you just wasted another year of your franchise. Interesting news also out of uh, Detroit: the Lions general manager Martin Mayhew said Monday in Orlando that the Lions would not pick up the fifth-year option of defensive tackle Nick Fairley's contract. Uh, Mayhew, when asked, you know, are you you know, surprising you came out and told us that information, said that wasn't unintentional. Then he had an interesting quote. I have to ask myself, is he a $5.5 million player right now? So, obviously, Fairley has not lived up to expectations, and he now the GM has put it out there, put up or so long. You want me to translate this one for yes, you? Yes, please do it, Wes. Put the fork down, Susie. <laughs> is that Nick Fairley's uh, nickname? Yeah, you're saying Put he's a uh, fork down. Is over generous carriage? Yes, he uh, he was clearly overweight last year. Discipline is an issue, and this is a kick in the pants. It's a pretty public kick in the pants. It is, and it's March 24th. I mean, this isn't like let's wait till he gets to camp, see how he shows up, see if he's in shape. This is they're putting him on notice. Well before the offseason they training want a motivated, program begins. They want a motivated Nick Fairley for 2014, and they're willing to 
have to overpay in 2015 to get him back. Funny you called him Susie because uh, his friend Sue – uh, Indomitian, that is, is the guy who, uh, from the outside, a lot of people would say, aren't the lines looking to purge him? He's a headache. He's more trouble than he's worth. Clearly, there is no indication with as they are working on a deal with Sue. He is a guy who they consider a cornerstone. Fairly, people forget, when he was coming out of Auburn, there, was, uh, there were plenty of doubters about that guy. I think the public persona of Indomitian Sue is – more different than any other player uh, over who he actually is as a person. Hmm. He's not a bad guy. What about as a player, though? What's wrong with kicking a guy while he's – I mean, players are taught to play a little dirty. I that's say that Tybee all Island the football. time. Look at we're, – we're sitting here in Studio 66. Look at the pictures on the walls. We have Jack Lambert behind <laughs> us, Ray Nitschke. There's Deacon Jones. Uh, you know, uh, these guys – did all right with a, playing with a little edge. A guy named Mean Joe Green. Yeah, right. they, they punched Let's, and kicked and everything else. All, all we do is celebrate those guys. But now suddenly, that Indomitian Sue has a stink on him. He, this young man needs to get a, get a hold of himself, or he's gonna, <laughs> or he's gonna kick himself right out of the of the National Football League. What? The other guys went to the Hall of Fame. What, yeah. what, what, what am I missing here? Listen to Dave paint the picture of the room. You could almost hear the listeners feeling like they're in here with us. The way he did it. That's you're a professional, Dave. <laughs> Way beyond Thank you, us. Dan. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Did I mention that you have makeup on? <laughs> Still, I should go over there. It does remind me of makeup lady said, come over and I will give you the proper wipes. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do that after this. Yeah, there are a lot of conversations I find myself having as a grown man that make me realize that it occurs to me, wow, this is not at all what my parents had in mind. <laughs> this is not at all. They, they must be ashamed. We got together all those years ago. A doctor, maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe a congressman. You know, who knows what he'll be? No, he puts makeup on and he talks about other people. Do you, you want to hear some great shame? Is after the one more du- successful, more athletic human beings. That's who he talks about. <laughs> one dude working on my hair, uh, the lady working on my face, and she's like, do you want some lip moisturizer? And I said, okay. Yeah, take it. Go ahead. So, you know, Trip the light fantastic. Treat yourself. Trip the light fantastic. Once, that, once the bosses get a load of you on camera, you're never getting back on. Yeah. Enjoy <laughs> it while you can. What's lip moisturizer? I don't know, but it felt glorious. <laughs> uh, finally, uh, more trouble for Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Williams, who was stabbed in the thigh at his home in Tampa. He was hospitalized and released in the same day. Uh, the police suspect that Williams's brother is involved. Obviously, Williams has been uh, he has some scrapes with the law, and now um, the prior Bucks regime was upset about his behavior while recovering from a torn hamstring. Now this happens, even though who knows this might not be his fault at all. You know, he got stabbed, but you don't know the backstory. Is Mike Williams going to be on the Bucks next year? Who decided to give this guy a stack of money? A lot of money. That was, was a bad idea from the beginning. Six-year, $40 million deal last year. Well, he fell to the fourth round coming out of Syracuse because he was a nut job. He was uncontrollable. No, The coaches couldn't <laughs> control him. And now we're supposed to be surprised that he's arrested one week, his brother stabs him the next week. It wouldn't surprise me if he's off the roster. If they draft Sammy Watkins, then a lot of people have him going number seven in the mocks. They do? I haven't seen Watkins fall that far. Is that what's going to be? I've seen him in a lot of mocks, yeah. Wow. I the, mean, yeah, if they, get, if they get that, that's a pretty potent duo. The shame of it, too, uh, the shame of it, though, as well, is that if you put Vincent Jackson and a motivated head-on uh, straight Mike Williams, that's a pretty nice one-two punch, but I guess that's asking too much. He seems to be That's the one-two punch that got Josh Freeman fired. 
<laughs> I would say, um, you know, powerful lesson going forward for all NFL teams, do not draft wide receivers named Mike Williams. <laughs> Very good point. It, 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 they're 0 for 2 now. Or anybody Mike named Mike Williams. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. All right, uh, before you gentlemen leave me, I want to throw it back to the gold standard. And, Zach, we have Dave. It's, it's very nice to have him in studio, and thank you again, Dave, for joining us. Tough booking. Yes. Great. It was a great booking for us. We're very excited. So we're going to play a game, one of the great games of the ATL podcast, and we're going to be doing another one later in the week. Win Wes's toaster is back. Wes putting it all on the line again. But right now, the gold standard, what are we playing? We, sirs, are playing... Live from Culver City, California, it's America's favorite game show. What's more likely? All right, gentlemen, what's more likely? Terrell Pryor wins a future starting job, or Matt Schaub is the Raiders' quarterback for three to four years, as Dennis Allen said Friday. Oh, easily Terrell Pryor. Absolutely. How to match job three or four years. Listen, if you are in the Raiders front office, you the 2013 season never happened. That is how they're operating. Dennis Allen said on Sunday that he said over the past six or seven years, Matt Schaub has been one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. 2013 never happened in Oakland. Everything's in play. I, I hate that I have to keep making this front office like my whipping boy. <laughs> But how do you go from deciding that Carson Palmer is no good? We'll get rid of him for nothing. But bring us Matt Schaub. Yes, there's our answer. Yeah, I mean, the, if the offensive line is going to be a question, then you cannot have Matt Schaub and expect him to to be terribly productive. You know, the thing, he, when he was with the Texans, and he did, and I think he quickly became a punchline in 2013, given the high hopes and everything else, for the team, but you know, it wasn't that long ago. Matt Schaub was putting up, at least in fantasy terms, some great numbers. He was, he was, uh, a, a, you know, he was a quietly very good fantasy player. Um, but I mean, at this stage of his career, and like I say, with a bad offensive line, and who's catching the passes there in Oakland? Three or four years? Are you kidding me? No chance. I'll take Pryor. I mean, do you think Pryor will be a starter? You mean win a week one gig, yes. not get, not win take one over out of because camp. somebody got you hurt. You said in the future. In the future. So that could mean 2015 He's got time on side. He's like 24, I think. But, I mean, I think it's on the unlikely side, but it wouldn't be a shock. Whereas Schaub lasting another three or four years would truly shock me. Yeah, I mean, listen, Terrell Pryor, when you watch him throw a football, he does not, uh, he does not say – um, number one option in uh, on an NFL team, but that's more likely than Matt Schaub for three years, please. Whatever, guys. Just throwing them out there. I feel like it got a little personal there. What about Terrell Pryor versus Mark Sanchez winning a starting gig? Which is more likely? What's more likely? <sighs> it's a good one. Uh, Terrell Pryor. I think Sanchez has some stink on him that Pryor doesn't. Wes? Neither, I don't think either one's winning. It, it comes down to which quarterback in front of them gets hurt first. It ju- it just goes to show it's an old point, but uh, but worth repeating. It is amazing 
Six billion people walk this earth. They can't find 32 guys <laughs> to play quarterback and do it well. It's remarkable. We're talking about Matt Schaub and Brian Hoyer and Terrell Pryor and Matt Castle and P and U. And, I mean, Carson Palmer, when you get down to it, is at least one of, the, what, the top 16 or so? Let's flip Guys this on around. the face of the earth? Let's flip this around. If they found 32 quarterbacks... Then you would be saying, you mean to tell me six billion people and we can't find enough guys to play defense in the NFL? <laughs> All right, we'll get to that when, the, when, the, <laughs> when, we, when we solve this uh, quarterback conundrum. <laughs> All right, here's another one. What's more likely? Richie Incognito signs with an NFL team this offseason or Jared Allen signs with an NFL team this offseason? Jared Allen by a lot. I don't think Incognito ever plays again. Speaking of the Raiders, I feel like they're looming potentially in the mix for for Incognito. Oh, I don't think anyone's going to sign him. I I would be surprised if anyone brought in Incognito. I I, I mean I've declared that I'm with West. There's no way he plays in the NFL, and and that comes from somebody I've always laughed. I mean, when Michael Vick was trying to re-enter the league, and and they would, uh, you know, people would do interviews with GMs, and they would say, "Hey, there's a, this young man. No, no, I'm sorry, no one's going to touch this guy with a ten foot pole." Well, can he play? Is I mean, is is he a potential huge difference maker? Then I'm not concerned that there will be a spot for him in the NFL at this point. Richie Incognito is not good enough to be worth the potential headache and the PR nightmare and everything else. That's what it comes down to is is it well will he contribute yeah then we can look past everything else Richie Incognito is not some all pro uh, lineman trying to find a guard isn't nearly as hard as trying to find a guy with Michael Vick's talent at quarterback Mm -hmm. what's more likely all right what's more likely actually Wes you had one right yeah this goes back to your quarterback question Ooh, I like that what's more likely by Halloween Mark Sanchez has started a game for an NFL team, or Matt Schaub has been benched for ineffectiveness at least once. <laughs> By Halloween? By Halloween. October 31st. I think it's more likely that Schaub is benched. I think that Mark Sanchez will start a game for the Oakland Raiders when Matt Schaub gets benched. Take that. No, I don't know. Listen, I don't know about that. But, you know, by, you know, as a side note, you reminded me of something. Isn't it weird? What is it with the Oakland Raiders front office and their obsession with quarterbacks named Matt? It's weird. Matt McGloin. <laughs> Matt Schaub. Matt Liner. Matt Liner. Oh, yeah. And there's another one, too. Matt Flint. Matt Flint. Wow. Right. Yeah. Matt. Welcome, And Matt. who is decent among I them? think we finally cracked the Reggie McKenzie code. There you go. <laughs> That's grim. Who's out there? Uh, Matt Hasselbeck. You're up. The, you've just named all of the quarterbacks signed or acquired by Reggie McKenzie, except the one who we drafted in the fourth round and cut before he even made it out of training camp. Tyler Wilson. Yep. Oh, right. Uh, do you Not have really one? the strongest resume there. No. Well, let's give him a chance. <laughs> it's been a little rocky for Reggie. Do you have another one, Wes? What's more likely? Let's go running backs. All right. Two guys out there available. Maurice Jones-Drew, Chris Johnson. What's more likely, Chris Johnson rushes for 1,000 yards in his new home or Maurice Jones-Drew, let's say, 700 yards in his new home? Hmm. Hmm. I think CJ2K will get starter workload, uh, at least in his first year, wherever he lands. I think I, I could see him getting over 200 carries. Uh, it might take 250 to 260 to get him to 1,000, right? 
at this stage of the game. I think he's more likely to go over 1,000. I think he still has something in the tank. Put him in a good spot. He could still have uh, some nice years left. MJD could end up on a depth chart where he's sharing the ball with three other, two other guys. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I'd say uh, Chris Johnson has the chance for uh, redemption and uh, rising like a phoenix if he gets to the right spot. Where is that spot? That's the question, though. It's it's hard to – the guy – I know it's an old story at this point that, uh, you know, 2,000 yards is is uh, pretty long ago. But, um, you know, has anybody ever had such a fall from grace who put up one of the all-time statistically – one of the all-time great rushing sure. seasons? Who who fell off that fast? Terrell Davis. Well, I mean, he got hurt. And yeah. then and then I know uh, uh, O.J. Simpson uh, had some trouble down the line after his 2,000-yard season somewhere. Did he? I heard, yeah, I heard some Jamal stuff Lewis. about him. Jamal Lewis. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, now wait, now that we're going through it, has anybody Uh-oh. not gotten into trouble with, with 2,000 yards? <laughs> Nobody... Eric Dickerson fell into – he got into that hole. I mean, it's it's quaint. Now, as we look back at it, what he he wanted more money, and, and uh, that you know we, but he was such a villain at the time that he forced himself basically out of uh, L.A. to go to the Colts. But remember what a stink there was on him for doing that. Wow, if you rush for two thousand yards, that's pretty much the I end. I believe of your, this the to be times. true that if any running back who's rushed for two thousand yards, out of all that group, nobody has rushed for fifteen hundred the next year. Not not even yeah. fifteen hundred. Yeah. AP couldn't do it last year. Uh, Terrell Davis blew out his knee in week four the year after he did it. Barry Sanders came very close, I believe. I think he's the retired. closest, 1,400 something. Yeah. Um, all right, Chris gentlemen. Johnson, we say fall from grace, but there's no other running back in the NFL active who has rushed for 1,000 yards every year of his career and hasn't missed a game in five years. Wow. Wouldn't he be a good fit in Atlanta, for instance? I like that fit. I do. I like it a lot. Steven Jackson still in the picture there with Chris Johnson? I think yeah. you can pay both. Hmm. That, I mean, uh, that would be awesome in 2009. Imagine, though, yes. being being a running back who is right now 22, 23-ish. This premise that was set up for you when you were about 11 is, wow, you got wheels, you're tough, you got the wiggle. Hey, uh, hey uh, Junior, stick with this, man, and you're going to be a multimillionaire playing pro football. And in a decade, it's just that's all been erased. There's no, you know, there's there's nothing that uh, that gets turned over more quickly and is less highly regarded. Almost anywhere on the football field, almost any position you can name, running back is so diminished the way we consider it. And right. yeah, Ma- we can just roll some guys through here. Blom Powell, mamas man. don't let your babies grow up to be running backs. So true. Didn't always used to be that way. Dave Damashek, thank you very much for coming by to visit the Around the League podcast. What a pleasure. It's. Uh, it's always an honor to get Dave in the studio. Yeah. Wes, did you enjoy it? I Dave did, here? yeah. Eh, it was it all is. right. It was only so-so. For, for, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I feel like I didn't uh, match wits with you guys as well as I could have. Oh, you're maybe because Maybe because I was, uh, I was lost looking at Hanzus in his kabuki makeup. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it, gentlemen. And Wes, you can go home now. I'm going to call up the men in Orlando, but you don't have to be there for that. You have apartments to look at, Zarinas to speak with. You know, things hey, of that quick, quick, tri- quick trivia for you football uh, fellas. I talked to uh, Steve Mariucci, the name drop, and I bring that up because I like to name drop. I was just talking <laughs> with him dropper. moments ago, and uh, he told me he once coached a USFL team in Orlando. Quickly, can you name that team? The Predators? Yeah. No, pretty close. Uh, Growlers? Prowlers? 
Growlers. What <laughs> an awful name that would be for a team. No, Panthers? no, the Michigan Panthers. They won the first title. Uh, Anthony Carter and Bobby Hebert. Um The uh, it was the Orlando Renegades. Uh, that sounds like a movie. A That's name. a movie name. I'd rather go. Yeah. That's like the Miami Sharks. Any movies that don't have the NFL licensing are usually doomed. And you like games, eyes. and I know you got to go real fast. Do it though. I like I like to see who can go back and forth and back and forth. Hanzu, starting with you on your market set. Go USFL teams. Hanzu, you start one. The USFL. You assume he knows one. You can't name one the USFL team. Hitmen. Are you serious right now? The USFL was a legitimate league. This was no XFL hokum. My favorite USFL t- team name, the Memphis Showboats. Yeah, the Showboats. The Locomotives were, were one. No, it wasn't. Oh, who cares? The Houston Gamblers. Reggie Reggie White was on the uh, Memphis Showboats. Yes, he As was. As Donald Trump once said, small potatoes. Las Boston Ve- Breakers, New Orleans Breakers, Portland Breakers. Las Vegas. Pittsburgh Maulers. Bandits. The uh, yeah, the Tampa Bay Bandits, oh the Tampa Bay, Bay. the Michigan Panthers, the Philadelphia Stars slash Baltimore Stars, <laughs> the Oakland Invaders, who uh, the Arizona Wranglers, who traded their entire franchise, front office and everything, to the Chicago Blitz, a full franchise swap. The only thing that stayed were the uniforms. Now, how can you take a league like that seriously? The well, LA, well, let me tell you the about LA the, what the NFL did. Yes, that's exactly right. Carol the AFL Rosenblum did that. traded the Colts to Jim Irsay. Or to Robert Ursay and took the uh, Rams. They just swapped franchises. The Houston Gamblers with Jim Kelly. How about that? There were so many good players, and there are guys who would be in the Hall of Fame if it weren't for the USFL. Guys like Joe Cribbs, who went to the Birmingham Stallions. Was yeah. There was How did we get here? Calvin Bryant went to the Stars. How about a guy named Herschel Walker with the New Jersey Generals? Absolutely. His best of. years spent. In 18-game seasons, taking a pounding with those generals along with Doug Flutie. Imagine if he would have played, uh, gone straight to the NFL. Hall of Fame for that He guy. was Bo Jackson level. Aren't you impressed by my ability I'm to impressed. reel these off? I'm impressed. And I, you know, you kind of showed me up at the end of your visit here. You're right. I did. He also you had it coming. He also makeup, showed you how old he is. That, well. Listen, Two I'm older not, gentlemen not going to apologize to you for knowing about uh, <laughs> about USFL. It was on in the summertime. I would not take on Damashek and win Wes's toaster if it was only USFL trivia. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, all right, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Moving on, the gold standard behind the glass. We have our two gentlemen out in Orlando covering the NFL annual meeting, the owners' meeting in Orlando. Is it possible to get them on the phone now? Yeah, I got them right here. Ah, you're very good at your job. I try. Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler, are you there? We are here. Wow. Hello. Wow. We are huddled around a speakerphone in the JW Marriott overlooking a number of beautiful pools for children to swim in. Wow, that sounds pretty nice, i got to say. I mean, you do take away this the illusion of... Uh, grandeur with technology for the NFL huddled around like a 1994 speakerphone. Well, we're in. We, by the way, we're in Greg's room, and he was given a uh, a view out the window, which is about thirty five times more alluring than what I realized I was given. So, <laughs> what did the Sizzler get? The Sizzler got essentially one of those uh, when you look out a window in an apartment and you just see a wall. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what, Mark? You're getting that. You're not the boss. When you're the boss, you get that kind of stuff. Those perks. Very fair. Are we really complaining about when when we're at uh, the Ritz Carlton or whatever? No, <laughs> this place is. It is a whole another 
rent district that we will never be part of unless we were, you know, asking questions that people don't want to answer to at the place. <laughs> All right. So let's let's get into it then. Um, you gentlemen were sent by the league, shadowy league figures, sent to the two of you from the Around the League crew to cover this event. So you're now one day in. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit, what are you seeing, sights and sounds, having been in Orlando for a little over 24 hours now? I think, you know, for Greg and I both, having never been here, and it is a, it's a little bit more of a free-flowing event where, for us, we didn't know how to attack it initially, and we were even asking some of the other writers that we knew well, and they kind of said, today you sort of just lurk. It's, it's a lot of uh, very wealthy owners, and it's all the coaches and general managers who are essentially on vacation with their families. And it would be like getting to vacation and finding people that you really didn't like from work at the same residency. <laughs> and so suddenly they come out of a doorway, and there's a bunch of crusty beat writers, and there's us trying to pe- you know pester them with questions. So they are annoyed to some degree off the bat. Wait, so, so this challenging. I'm trying to like imagine this. So is it a situation where Mike Tomlin like comes out of an elevator and his two little girls, hypothetically speaking, were wearing like bubbles on their arms to go into the, the swimming pool at this hotel and you're you're ambushing them to get thoughts on Jason Worlds? Because right next to where the meeting is happening there is there is a gigantic room literally for wags. It says <laughs> NFL wives and girlfriends. And others. And then there's a room next to that that's like a playroom for kids. And the place is surrounded by, like, human uh, checkers board scenarios and pools where it's just kids <laughs> swimming and running in and out of the hotel. And, I mean, they're not, you know, in our face, but it's so clear that we have interrupted what otherwise would be a delightful uh, getaway for these people. Greg, are you- so, some are more open to asking, answering some questions than others. Plenty of people were very nice. Jim Harbaugh spent a lot of time with, with the media today. I talked with him. And then others are clearly less interested, and Mark generally approaches them anyways, even if they're like waiting well, for a taxi as, outside the hotel. As we know, Sessler is the great intrepid reporter of the Around the League ranks, and I got a text from you, Sizzler, regarding one NFC South coach about one interaction you had. <laughs> well, uh, you know, they, they were bum-rushing out of this room, and I tried to grab Sean Payton, and I said, you know, I'm from NFL.com. Can I get you for like maybe <laughs> literally 15 seconds? And he paused, and like a father uh, putting his hand on a small child's shoulder, which was me, he just put his hand on my shoulder and said, how about later, pal? Oof. And just walked off. <laughs> you know That's what? generally the reception we got, but we were able to get, we were get to, some people answer my question. A lot of rejection, so it, it does remind you a little bit of, like, asking girls out when you're, they're out of your league. But plenty of people talked to us. We talked to Jim Harbaugh, talked to Jay Gruden. Uh, we talked a decent amount, and it really picks up tomorrow. And just seeing everything is fascinating because as much as the owners, the coaches are around at the Combine, here it's all almost under one roof. There's two hotels right next to each other. So really everywhere you walk and turn, there's a general manager, an owner, or a coach. So it's a surreal experience. Let me ask you guys, uh, through Monday, what's kind of the most surprising or the most interesting takeaway each of you had? I think for me, honestly, uh, I was able to get into a group with Reggie McKenzie where there are only two or three of us way down this hallway. And after the offseason that he's had and the kind of reception, the up and down reception from the media towards him, how open and honest he was with 
answering questions and honestly a pretty funny guy and like a, definitely a smart guy. So I, I really hadn't had a chance to speak to him one-on-one before ever, and he came across very well and honestly uh, pretty controlled of his whole situation with Oakland. I it's thought. a good thing that Wes uh, is no longer in the studio. He'd probably somehow find a way to denigrate the man. Yeah, and I think it would be good for the two of them to sit down and maybe <laughs> have a tea or a coffee. What about you, Greg? Mark Davis, to, to jump on what Mark was saying yeah. first, Mark Davis is all over the place here and is talking a lot, and Mark spoke with uh, Mark Davis in a group today, and the whole L.A. Oakland Raiders thing seems to be cranking up. We're not going to get too deep into that. My, my Probably the biggest surprise was that all the NFL owners and coaches and GMs still have to sit through what is essentially a corporate presentation at an annual meeting that is really well done, but is ultimately probably like the annual meetings at every corporate event. So these billionaires are seated to start the entire meeting for 60 minutes, uh, listening to Roger Goodell, and then a number of different people from the NFL make a presentation, and we... We managed to find our way into that. We can't really report on what went down in there, but for the most part, it was kind of like a very corporate thing that most companies would have, except unbelievable production values. Like they had a locker for all 32 teams with a jersey in it, and just everything was just so well done. And they, you could tell they had rehearsed it many, many times. Well, sorry, Dan. The Jets' locker actually had no jersey. <laughs> they, they couldn't pinpoint. Well, really a player they wanted to focus on. That's the glacier. To, that's the glacier at work. I wonder, though, you know, it was showing the highlights for the entire season was six minutes of it. There was a lot of other presentations about different parts of the company and the business, but part of it was just reviewing the season for six minutes on a monstrous screen that was bigger than if you went to the movie theaters, that sort of screen. And there's John Fox and John Elway sitting right there in the audience watching their team get devastated oh. by the Seahawks in New York. You know, I imagine going sneaking into, like, one of these rooms with all these owners and, you know, Jimmy Haslam maybe standing on top of a ladder and doing one of those trust falls back into, like, <laughs> uh, Robert Kraft's arms or something like that. I don't that. think you're far off. I honestly don't because we – that was the six minutes that we saw. But then there they are transported into cl- behind closed doors for eight or nine hours. Right. You know something's going on. And before before we let you gentlemen go, I know there's a open bar event uh, involved somewhere in Orlando that I'll sure, I'm sure you'll be at. Um, Roger Goodell spoke today. You guys also sat in for that, correct? Yeah, we did. And Rich McKay and Jeff Fisher also spoke. Really, the if there's going to be any sizzle in terms of the rules that will be passed this week, it's going to come in the next two days. For now, they're just presenting and talking about the issues at a very low level, but they're not really going back and forth and they're not uh, debating and uh, voting on it. So there wasn't a lot to come from that. I don't think there's going to be instant replay. I don't think there's going to be any changes there. I think a lot of the Patriots proposals uh, will basically be shot down, but I do think the goalposts are going to be raised. I think that one's bad. The future. What, what? We, we can talk about that l- later in the week when, when we find out. But, but let's the most important thing, what about will the Indianapolis Colts be allowed to open their dome 
if the weather <laughs> permits or something. That topic will be tabled until oh. May, actually. So, big news. That ain't right. Um, all right, fellas. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your busy days in uh, in Orlando. And you will be back with us when we do our next podcast. We'll be doing our next podcast on Thursday this week, listeners, by the way. And the gentleman will be jet-lagged and with us because there is no off-season with Around the League. Thanks, fellas. We miss you. Miss you, too. Mark mentions it often, how much he misses you. Oh, that's sweet. Well, you know you know how I feel. I try to hug the guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, Bye. Well. That's it for Monday's episode of the Around the League podcast. We will be back, as I just said, on Thursday this week. We're going to mix it up a little bit because we wanted to have the full team together and – Mark and Greg won't be back in California until Thursday, so hang tight and just enjoy this show until then. Um, the gold standard behind the glass, we're going to have a full house. You like that better, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, even though it was great having Dave on the show today and whenever we mix it in, eh, having the heroes all together is what we're There's all about. There's something right? about it. <laughs> There's some magic. Do you actually see any kind of magic like pixie halo yeah, well, stuff I, through I that glass? Yeah, I have this glass luckily to protect me <laughs> from the, the flurry of glitter. <laughs> the power? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> this is ridiculous chatter. Um, all right. Thank you very much for listening. You will hear from us again on Thursday. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, for Dave Damashek, for the gold standard behind the glass, and our two friends in Florida. Until then. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.